Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, my friends, we have to talk really quickly and we have to get right into the crutch of the thing because AEW and New Japan just had their forbidden door pay-per-view and there is so much to talk about. If I waste time in the intro, which I'm accidentally doing now, this video is going to be about 72 minutes long. And you will put in the comments, ah, this is too long. Why are you wasting my life? So yes, prepare yourselves and make sure you put your tushes in those seats. Hello, my name is Simon from What Culture. And let's take the finger of power and give the good bits an up and the bad bits a down for the Forbidden Door show. And I'm just going to give you a spoiler now. If you don't want to see a massive nerd nerding out about wrestling, well, watch anyway, because we need the view. Don't say I didn't warn you. So we will start with the buy-in very quickly because Yoshihashi and Goto defeated Aaron Soli and QT Marshall. Lance Archer defeated Nick Comoroto, so it was a very bad night for the factory. And Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland were successful against Kanemaru and Desperado. Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks also came out and challenged these two to a match. And please, for the love of everything, can we do that soon? Because it's been going on way too long. And we also saw the acclaimed and the gun club win. And that always makes me happy. They defeated Yui Mora, Alex Coughlin, Kevin Knight and DKC. And look, while I think all of these pay-per-views could be a little bit shorter, if you did sit down and watch this, it was like a nice massage and it got you ready for the main portion of the thing. Giving it up. Forbidden Door proper then did start, and not only do we have Kevin Kelly on commentary, which is a very nice touch, but when we were doing ring announcements, not only did we have the American one, but we had the Japanese one too. Now, in hindsight, of course we were going to do that, but as soon as I got it, I was like, yes. Our first match was also Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Suzuki. I'll never take those three teams together. Taking on Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Utah, and Shota Umino. And honestly, somebody could have knocked on my door and said, hello, I'm the expectation wagon. I'd be like, what the flub is going on here? Why would you come to my house? And no matter what they delivered me, this would still have raised the bar. And the best thing is that Chris Jericho just walked around selling for everyone. Like before the match, we were shown back in 2018 in the Tokyo Dome, where Jericho had punched Umino right in the face. So at the start of this match, Umino grabbed him and just started to German suplex around in place while going, ha ha, it's time for my revenge. And all of the fans went nuts. 
I mean, you could have finished the thing here and we would have done a good job. It just worked. Eventually, Sammy had to get in there to help and this caused a brawl around ringside. And I'm sorry, the brawl is officially the sponsor of Forbidden Door. What we got back into it was Guevara versus Wheels. And that's definitely a feud we should do for the future. And then Jericho and Umino were back in and Jericho got beaten up again. And as soon as Eddie Kingston tagged in, we've all got excited. So what did the wizard do? He bailed. However, what this did do is set up Eddie Kingston versus Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> Once again, it was just, ah, oh my gosh. And they punched each other in the face. They slapped the shib out of each other. They were just booting each other in the skull. And honestly, it just goes to show, in wrestling, you don't have to do much of anything, but if you create the right kind of atmosphere, you will smash it. There was then just all these dives as Suzuki walked around forwarding people because that's just what he does. And by the time the tag Glaxon sounded, ah, Glaxon, not Glaxon, it may have been the craziest one we have ever seen because it was just move, 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 some kind of somersault. I think there was a code breaker in there and a walls of Jericho. Just like, I can't keep up with this. My brain is going to fall out of my ear. I assume the Ty Conti who was at ringside was going to cast distraction at one point, and she did, and Sammy Guevara used this to smash Umino with the bat. But despite all of that, he was still able to get the Boston Crab on Chris Jericho. And that's irony. Sadly, we all forgot about Suzuki. So he came in and went all mad and started pile driving people. But we took one extra step on the we better make Umino a star journey because then all of a sudden it was three on one. And it was really awesome because he got rid of Suzuki and he got rid of Sammy Guevara. But then very sadly, he couldn't get rid of the ass guy. Chris Jericho hit him with the Judas effect and he pinned him for the one, two, three. But seriously. This did the world of good for everyone and was also smart when it comes to dynamite and blood of guts because now the heels have the man advantage. That's the way you do it, getting it up. And then it was more multi-man action because the IWGP and Ring of Honor tag titles were on the line. Because it was FTR versus Rapongi Vice taking on the United Empire and the story part here was just bravo. Because quite early on, Dax Harwood seemed to hurt his shoulder and the doctor was out there and he even went to talk to Cash Wheeler and they all agreed, oh man, bro, if you're that badly hurt, you're gonna have to go to the back. And he left. And it really worked me because I was like, oh no, the curse of the Forbidden Door has struck during the damn show. And then about five minutes later, he came back out and I was like, oh, he's okay. But I love that spot. It also really worked because Jeff Cobb and Great O'Khan really took advantage of this for a good while. Jeff Cobb was just throwing people around. Like people were trying to jump into him. He was like, ha ha, you can't defeat me. I think out of everybody in professional wrestling, Jeff may be the best end of level boss. We also got some tears here because of course Cash got beaten up for a good while. And at one point he climbed over to his corner and then realized, oh no, my tag team partner isn't there. But of course, this was the trigger for Dax to return. He got the tag. So not only was I crying because I was sad, I was then crying tears of joy. Howard's shoulder was also taped like that was gonna do much of anything. And he went truly crazy here. And it all built to a massive spot where all the good guys came together to give Jeff Cobb a superplex. That's how you do it. There's also this crazy good near fall where a Pongi Vice hit the strong zero onto Jeff Cobb. And honestly, they did this crazy double team thing. And I actually thought it was going to be the end until it got broken up at the last second. And yes, look, after this, there was some kind of weird thing with the referee. It looked like he count three when he didn't count to three. And the fans got on his back. But look, he's just a human being. Put your hand up. If you tried to be a referee, you would screw up too. And stays up. Throughout all of this though, FTR was able to hit the big rig onto Rocky Romero. And this time the referee did count three and the evasion FTR got here. I'm not surprised because now they add the IWGP belts 
to their staple of championships. Surely it means at pay-per-view down the line, we do the Young Bucks versus these guys for every single belt. I need that in my life and it's getting it up. Quick interview with Juice Robinson after this, who told us I am the IWGP United States Champion. He's not, but he's gone crazy. So as far as he's concerned, whoever wins later between Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy will be the number one contender, but none of that is true. Apparently Forbidden Door was all about just getting as many guys in the ring as possible because then it was time for our All-Atlantic title match. <laughs> it was Miro versus Puck versus Malachi Black versus Clark Connors. And honestly, I could have gone to 78,000 different dimensions and in none of them would this have been bad. I mean, this really was incredible and a huge reason for that is because throughout the thing, Miro was just allowed to kick ass. And as you know, if you've watched Ups and Downs before, I love Miro, he's my hero, and I love watching him break people. Bless AEW too for remembering that Malachi Black and Pac had been feuding for ages, because as soon as the bell went, they started to fight. And we had more narrative here, which was basically, for a good seven minutes, poor Clark Connors got beaten up. Now, if you were a smart wrestling fan, you probably knew he was gonna take the fall, so there was one moment you are like, man, poor guy, he's just gonna get whipped. Then everything changed. Because Black had decided that all the moves everybody was doing wasn't enough, so he got a table from under the ring and he put it over Barry Barricade. And then from nowhere, after Clark had just been in for an absolute barrage, he popped up from nowhere, he speared Miro through the table, and when he got back in the ring, he just murked all of these guys. And once again, in around about three minutes, every single person in this venue loved Clark Connors. This all led to the big Tower of Doom suplex powerbomb spot with Miro getting the last laugh. And look, that was always going to happen on one of these matches. So you may have done it here. And then even though they were all going around about 82 miles an hour, they decided to go 100. Because Pac actually found himself in the game over at one point, And it seemed like this was the finish. When Black got back in the ring, was like, nope, not happening. And he spit the mist right into Miro's face and then he applied his submission onto Clark Connors when from the top rope Pack decided well I know how I'm going to break this up I'm going to do a 450 splash so he landed on both these guys somehow popped up and put Connors into the brutalizer it was the smoothest thing you'd ever seen in your life Clark tapped out Pack is now your All-Atlantic Championship while I understand all the criticism about this title the fact that Pack is now a champion Round of applause, getting it up. I honestly think whoever had to walk out after this, if they had gone, oh man, we've got to try and top everything we've just seen, it wouldn't have worked. But of course the Young Bucks were involved and I would assume they sat everyone down and said, no, no, let's just have all the fun in the world. And I say this quietly, I don't want anyone to get upset with me turned out to be my favourite match of the night. Because it was Shingo Tagaki, Sting and Darby Allen taking on basically the Bullet Club, the Young Bucks and El Fantasmo. And honestly, the first thing we saw is Sting's music hit, but he didn't arrive. So when the bad guys were walking to the ring, the lights went off. And when they came back on, 63-year-old Sting was on the entranceway, on the top of it, and he jumped off and he killed all these dudes with a dive. So that's it. Sting is officially the greatest wrestler ever, and I ain't hearing anything else. Alan also took out Hikaleo with his skateboard, so everything was happening here, and then my dreams came true. Because all I wanted from this encounter was a bunch of back breaks. So ELP and Matt Jackson tried to out-backrate each other, including at one point, Matt Jackson just doing like flip, 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 cartwheel, up, down, left, right, what are you gonna do? And then he hit one, I was like, that's it, you've done it. I give you five stars in the Tokyo Dome, 
It just makes me laugh, but it's also so damn entertaining. Darby is there was trying to kill himself, so got triple drop kick in the corner. But you also had this little thing between Alan and El Fantasmo, and that's right, write it down. That's definitely a feud for the future. Tagaki also went toe to toe with the young bucks, and you could tell he was having a great time, but nobody was enjoying themselves more than Fantasmo. Because at one point he saw Sting, he's like, I know how I can get him to his knees. I'm gonna give him the nipple twister. And I think in that moment, the icon decided, I'm gonna ruin your life. Before that though, Hikaleo cast Distraction, which allowed ELP to hit Sting right in the testicles, and that should be illegal. And this is when the Young Bucks hit the super kick party. And you know what Sting did? He just shrugged it off. He hit the double clothesline. I was going crazy. I was losing it in my house. I don't even care. The tag clacks and ha then hit and everybody was doing their moves. And we got a double scorpion death drop. And this is when Sting got his revenge because he saw ALP. He walked over to him and not only did he twist his nipples, which is the greatest sentence in the history of wrestling, but he also booted him right in the groin. Somehow it turned out that ELP and Tagaki were the legal men here, but I couldn't keep hold of this at all. So Tagaki hit Made in Japan. He got the one, two, three. The good guys won, kind of. But honestly, who cares about wins and losses when you have such a good time at this? Like I say, best match of the night. Don't at me. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. We found out the Grand Slam is returning to Arthur Ashe Stadium in September, so that will be cool. When Shota Umino was being interviewed backstage, Chris Jericho found him and turned into Ryu from Street Fighter, or maybe even Dal Sim. Put a fireball into his face, so I'm sorry, we do have to have that singles match down the line. And you could probably argue that Shota should win that one, and talking about victories that can be debated, it was time for Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's title. And this was kind of weird at first, because one, it was solely an AEW match, but also two, there was only two people in the ring. <laughs> Given everything I'd seen before this, I was like, wait, 
think. Is this normal for professional wrestling? I can't remember. They started off with this tech stuff early on too to remind you they can wrestle. And when Tony Storm got annoyed, she slapped Thunder Rosa right around the face. I mean, she hit her so hard, I think some of Thunder's face paint came off. And then there was this jumping cutter, which is everybody's favorite move in 2022. And eventually Thunder Rosa hit that Northern-like suplex with a pin. My word, that's a thing of beauty. She also went for the Fire Thunder Driver, but somehow that was turned into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. But then that was somehow turned into a double foot stomp a bit like wrestling tennis. Clearly this wasn't enough because we then had a German suplex on the ring apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, when Tony Storm did a DDT to the outside, like we don't care about brains. But the third Tony Storm act in a row too, she just started spamming DDTs, but I love it, because like when you save up a bunch of finishes on WWE 2K, but then out of nowhere, Thunder Rosa hit the Fire Thunder Driver, and I was like, well, that's it. Nobody's gonna kick out of that. What a moron I am. Storm kicked out too. We then got some story injected into this too, because somewhere during this match, Tony Storm had hurt her shoulder, so she wasn't able to hit the pile driver. Thunder noticed this, she went after that joint, and then of all the moves, hit the final reckoning, which is Dustin Rhodes finisher. That was too much, one, two, three, she retains the title. So this was really, really good, and I love the fact we had a clean winner. It doesn't do anything bad to Tony Storm, it just wasn't her night, and I really hope we use this to create even more momentum, because I can feel it and I can smell it, and it's getting it up. And then the madness returned, because it was Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. Now, as ever, the big conversation that doesn't need to be a conversation is, oh my gosh, Will Ospreay looks so big when he was taken on Orange Cassidy. Ooh, the flub cares. This is the kind of visual I want in my professional wrestling. You're never going to do it in MMA. You're never going to do it in boxing. So you absolutely should do it in sports entertainment because those are the rules. There are no rules. So I hope next time we have, I don't know, a baby... <laughs> fighting a giant. Don't do that. That's going too far. We crossed the line. Orange then did his whole hands in the pocket shtick for a while, but that went bad as Aussie Open started casting distraction. And when Osprey had Orange in an abdominal stretch, he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a middle finger. That's so immature, I laugh. They were also throwing each other into Barry Barricade and just doing these strikes to the back of the head that made me worried about their skulls. But seriously, Everybody needs to go and watch this match. Orange Cassidy is vastly underrated as an in-ring performer. And while everybody tries to copy and mimic Will Ospreay, which I totally understand, there is only one Will Ospreay, and it's Will Ospreay. I mean, his selling, his moves, the way he just flies around the ring, it is genuinely incredible. At 1.2, Cassidy just went nuts because he hit the Stun Dog Millionaire, a spinning DDT. He then dove off the ropes and took out Aussie Open before he got back in the ring, climbed at the top ropes, and hit a diving DDT onto Will Ospreay, and it was such a near fall, I think I had kittens. Ospreay then came back with a Spanish fly because of course he did, and when they were tussling on the top rope, Orange Cassidy took Will Ospreay's head and he smashed it into a camera that was on the turnbuckle. And that was awesome because we cut to that shot just before it happened and the picture went all blurry-worry. Orange also kind of tricked Will Ospreay when he did this injury spot and it did work because he hit the beach breaker once again. It only got a two and I was like, what is going on? There was then another near fall after the Oz cutter and then somehow Orange turned into Neo from the Matrix because he was just missing everything. The best part though was when Osprey finally nailed the hidden blade, which he kept trying to go for. And when Orange kicked out of that one, seriously, I was shocked, you were shocked, the fans were shocked, my nan was shocked, which is kind of terrifying because she's been dead for 10 years. But I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen. And what did we do here? Even though, yes, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Orange Cassidy was about to lose, he still walked away on some level as the winner. And it was a mini tease because Will then just went for the Stormbreaker and he got the one, two, three. And the last five minutes of this match are bloody unreal. 
I only said that because I wanted to sound as British as possible, but it is true. We also made sure to get some counter action into this too, so bring it down. We'll update it in just one second. Because Aussie Open were in after this thing and they were beating up Orange Cassidy when Rapongi Vice came down to make the save. So that counts as a post-match brawl. Put it up to two. Not in a million years did I expect what this was leading to, though. Because I knew somebody was going to have to come down to the ring to make the save. That's what you do in professional wrestling. And of all the people, it was flipping Shibata. Now, the fans absolutely lost their minds when this happened. And he took out Aussie Open with just a punch. And then he started to destroy Will Ospreay. And he even gave him a big kick in a corner. And they got even better because him and Orange Cassidy stood in the ring. And Shibata wore Orange Cassidy's sunglasses. So he totally gets it to the point it has to get its own up. Because if you know the history here and you're super duper into New Japan... There's no two ways about it. That was a moment. AEW also wanted to challenge themselves because I think they went, oh man, let's get these fans to cheer even louder. I think they actually achieved it. Because right after this, it was Zack Sabre Jr. in the ring, ready to find out who his mystery opponent was going to be. And of course, it was Cesaro, now known as his real name, Claudio Castagnoli. And honestly, they brew the roof off this place. They were so happy to see this man. And once again, made me feel all warm fuzzy in my damn town. Once you calm down too, you then realize, oh my gosh, we're actually getting Zack Sabre Jr. versus Claudio. And they pretended that this was going to be over in 20 seconds. Because he ran at Zack, he gave him the uppercut, and then he hit the neutralizer. Honestly, Sabre got his shoulder up about 2.999. Claudio also did this vertical suplex to Sabre, which went on for so long, I think I grew a beard, shaved it, and then grew it back again. But actually, this may have been his undoing. I think while he was up there, Zack replenished his HP. Because when he was down on the floor, he started going for his submissions. And while I understand this is not everybody's style, I don't get how he does it. It just goes from one to the other as if it's nothing. And my whole time, I'm just doing maths in my head. I mean, there was this one transition into a triangle I'm still trying to work out. And Claudio didn't like that at all. So he sent both of them tumbling over the top rope. However... Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> refused to let go. So Castagnoli was like, alright. He picked him up, he walked up the stairs, and he threw him in the ring. <laughs> I mean, that's actually ridiculous. There was an even better reversal when Sabre stopped the giant swing and went into the guillotine. And then these two just started working. Flubbed me sideways, it was great. Claudio eventually did get the big swim, but he was only able to do five rotations. Because of course, Sabre had gone after all of his limbs. So he didn't have any more shoulders. And this was another situation where either guy could have won. And I would have gone, you know what? I don't even care. It's just so much damn fun. However, given that Cesaro is going to be on AEW TV far more than Zack Sabre Jr. Eventually, he hit this like one-arm powerbomb thing. Like he grabbed Zack's arm beforehand, but it looked quite cool. He got the one, two, three. And everyone stood up in unison. Let's face it, Claudio in the past has not got that many wins on television. Go watch this one too. Get it up. This really was just a stupid pay-per-view because it was just get better, get better, get better. <laughs> it carried on. It was Adam Cole versus Hangman Adam Page versus Jay White versus Akada. What do you want me to do? Now, I will admit there was one foible here, and that's not in any kind of world did I think that Jay White was going to lose the IWGP Championship. So even on the near falls, I didn't bite. And there's also another sad part here, and it affected the finish, because at some point during this, I believe Adam Cole got concussed. And yeah, that would make perfect sense, because we got down to the last two minutes, it went all weird. Don't worry about any of that, though, because these things happen, and mostly I just hope that Adam Cole is okay. 
But from the moment a Carda arrived, and once again, everyone was just like, oh my gosh, it's a Carda. They just had a terrific match. And honestly, you could make any four of these guys a world champion, and ain't nobody gonna complain. Our plot for this one was that Adam Cole and Jay White decided to work together for a little bit until Adam Cole just turned on him, laid it down the line, and gave him a backstabber. And this was doubly good, because as Jay was going down, he just had this look on his face like that piece of shit I should have known. I kind of wasn't into this either, and at one point he elbowed Cole and flapjacked Jay White before he sent them both over Barry Barricade. And then he took a step back, he ran, and he dived over the top. And I was like, I swear, on this pay-per-view, everyone is going to do everything. Paige then wanted a piece of an action, so he hit his moonsault to the outside. This is when Gado was interfering on behalf of Jay White. And I said out loud, because I'm a bit strange, you can take the New Japan out of Japan, but you can't take the New Japan out of New Japan. There was also a near fall off the buckshot, but Akada broke that up at the last second. And what I think was meant to happen here is that Adam Cole was meant to avoid the Rainmaker for a little while, which he did a very good job of and was super kicking everybody. Before he did get hit with the Rainmaker, Jay White runs in, gives Akada the Blade Runner, he falls out the ring, and then he notices, oh my gosh, Adam Cole is still down from that devastating maneuver, I'll pin him and retain the title. And we kinda did do that, just we didn't have any Rainmakers. And you could tell that something was going on throughout all this as well, but now we do know Adam Cole has potentially been concussed. So you can't start pointing fingers and going, rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. What would we do if we were knocked out in a ring? I'd probably run away all freaked out. The fact that he was able to stay there and do something, well, I say bravo. Also, everything before this was just so damn good. And again, we go back to that slogan, ship happens. So it still does get an up. And hopefully we can redo this down the line where everybody stays healthy. But I tell you... It was still so damn good. At this stage, I honestly couldn't remember. Do we have any more matches or is it going to be the main event? Because there just was so much. But actually, it was time for our AEW world title match. John Moxley versus Tanahashi. They smashed it. And this was another one where I was like, well, there's no way that John Moxley is going to lose here. But Tanahashi is such a legend and so damn good. He was able to make me believe. I mean, you could put me in the run with Tanahashi and everyone would walk away from it going, wow, that's Simon Miller. What a good wrestler. No, I'm absolutely crap. But it's all because of the ace. Interestingly, too, Tana was actually working over John Moxley's leg in the early going. And I was like, huh, well, I didn't see that coming when Mox got to his feet and he hit him with a cutter. And I'm sorry, he has done that multiple times over the last few weeks. So that's it. As I've already said, move of 2022. He also hit a pile driver on the Tanahashi, and I was like, you can't do that to the ace, and I don't even know why I said it. And then he was all, well, two can play that game, because he went for the Texas Cloverleaf, and he went for the crossfire. Tanahashi had to get to the ropes. The ace then fired back with a sling bay, but still found himself being thrown into Barry Barricade. And this is when Jonathan proved he meant what he said, and he respects nobody in the ring. Because he grabbed this man and he uranagied him through the damn table. I mean, the man is 45 and he also has lovely hair. And this led to this really cool count-out tease I wasn't expecting. And by the time they were fighting again, they both spilled to the outside. And something happened to John Moxley because he was bleeding. This is also when Tanahashi hit the high-five flow to the floor. Once again, I was like, this man is 45. Do you not understand? And he also then kicked out the proper paradigm shift. Went for another high-five flow. But then John Moxley rode through that into the glinitine choke. This is when people started to boo John Moxley. 
He was there bleeding like, oh, I want to win the championship. And everyone went, no, we disagree, boo. And they were not saying boo words. This is just the power that Tanahashi has, though. And even though he was able to power out, and John put him back in that move around about 92 times, eventually we got the Death Rider, which is like the paradigm shift times seven. That was enough to keep him down. John Moxley is now the first ever two-time AEW World Champion. And I think that is a badass stat to have on your record. And this is getting it up. There's also some love and animosity between the two afterwards. And this is when bring the counter down and mark it up to three. Because Chris Jericho was here, Wheeler Uta was here, Daniel Garcia was here. Basically, everybody involved in Blood and Guts decided, well, we better get out there. This whole thing has been about post-match brawls, so why don't we do another? Claudio was also back out too to another big pop. And of course, this was to do the giant swing. And of all the people he did it on Angelo Parker, I was like, damn it, that's perfect. It got even better too, because afterwards, Eddie Kingston and Claudio then got into it. And if you know anything about these two guys, they do have history, they do have beef. So how they're going to coexist, but please nobody say that. I can't handle it in wrestling. And there's no two ways about it. No matter what you thought about the build, or what you thought about two promotions coming together, this was an all-time pay-per-view that delivered on every single level. I mean, you'd really have to be a negative Nancy to find the down. So overall, it doesn't just get the up. It gets the golden up. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 